Hello and welcome to episode four of Blackwells Presents. Our bookseller Alex was lucky enough to sit down with Candice Carty-Williams to discuss her new book, Queenie. Candice is a senior marketing executive at Vintage Publishing and in 2016 she created and launched the Guardian and Fourth Estate Fame Short Story Prize, which aims to find, champion and celebrate underrepresented writers. She contributes regularly to ID, Refinery29, Beat Magazine and her pieces, especially those covering blackness, sex and identity, have been shared globally. Queenie is her first novel. Well, hello. I'm really happy to be joined today by Candice Carty-Williams, the author of Queenie, which is coming out in April, I believe. April the 11th. Yes. April the 11th. Amazing. Um, I'm lucky enough to have read a copy of it and absolutely loved it. I thought Queenie is an amazing character. I kind of wanted to equally like give her a massive hug and occasionally throttle her a little bit. Yeah, that makes um, sense. <laughs> yeah. So tell us how you came to write the book. Uh, so for a really long time, um, I mean, I've always been a huge reader. Um, I remember when I was at school, I got kicked out of class all the time. So I spent a lot of my time in the library um, and I got through a book a day when I was at school. Um, and aside from reading Mallory Blackman, where I could see um, characters like me, as I got older and I carried on reading, I realised that that had kind of fallen off or it had fallen off in a huge way. And... Um, I guess you you learn to navigate things by you know ways you know by what you read and what you see mm-hmm. um and I was like oh I don't really have this option because I'm kind of looking at all of these women who are not like me who are navigating completely different situations and so when I got to this point I guess whatever well, maybe two years ago I was like I guess something needs to be done and so I was like I'm gonna write something so that I don't have the representation for myself, but I can give it to others, hopefully. Well, it's fantastic. I think it's, yeah, it's good to be, like, proactive and be like, this is what I can do. Um, One of the things I found really interesting in the book, there's quite a lot about gentrification. Yes. And how that is sort of inherently quite racist. Um, Is that something that you've experienced? Are you from, it's all set around Brixton a lot? Yeah. So I live uh, in South London and I've lived in and around South London all my life. I went to university in... Uh, in Sussex, I went to university. Yeah, I went to university of Sussex. In Me Brighton. too. Ah, um, and so apart from being there for three years, I what well, four? I was in in South London for the rest of it, and I, I still am there now. And things have changed quite quickly, actually. Um, and the places that I used to go when I was younger, the p- places that I guess I felt really safe, and the things that made me feel like home, just because we've moved around quite a lot. And so I always had these grounding places in Brixton, and they've gone now. Uh, so when you're walking through some of the markets where we used to go and get uh, stuff on a Saturday, those places have just all gone. And in their places are all these shiny new bars mm-hmm. and trendy shops where people buy overpriced falcon and amalware yeah it's yeah i grew up in hackney and it's <laughs> yeah. a it's this weird same story yeah. of all those like nice things that made it a really interesting place to live right? yeah like the things that gave it the culture and gave it like the texture um yeah. and it just seems not even sanitized but just completely different and it's not even trendy because you kind of i guess when you know the history of it you can't you know, you can't really rate what's there now. Yeah, and I think it's that trouble that everywhere becomes the same. Yeah. It's the same yeah. shop selling. And, and for who, you know? Yeah. So, you said you've always been a big reader. 
Yes. Are you reading anything at the moment? Uh, I just finished reading, weirdly. So I find it really hard to read stuff that comes out at the moment because I'm around it all the time and it's really hard to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel guilty when I say that. <laughs> I've read, <laughs> I've read uh, that I'm not reading something. Um, but I just read, uh, really blitzed it, um, Tracy Emmons' autobiography, Strange Land, mm-hmm. uh, because I went to see her exhibition and I was like, ooh, there's lots to understand here about her. And I'd never read it before, but I also have the new Marlon James on my bedside table, which I'm about to crack into. Yeah, I've heard amazing things about yes, that. me too, constantly. Yeah, that's exciting. Do you have like a favourite book, if anyone ever asks you for like... I always think this is a really terrible question. No, it's a really hard one. I, I, <laughs> I also love it. It's really hard to start. I mean, it changes. I guess when I was, I was just looking at an edition of it downstairs, a new one, uh, Perfume by Patrick Suskind was my favourite for mm-hmm. a really long time, um, just because I guess our read, our writing at the moment is formed by what we've seen and what we hear now, and I guess our scopes have broadened so much because of technology and because you know white internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the imagination that he had back then is incredible, you know, and it's just kind of like what we, you know, there's nothing. What were your sources? You know, are just your brain, which is great. Um, but I would say, I mean, Bridget Jones has to be one of my favourites. Just yes. because, like, I find it, I also find it very comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though we're completely different, from different backgrounds, I love her recklessness and her messiness. That's really important. Yeah, that is one of my real yeah. comfort reads. Yeah. Um, but also Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that at a time when I was, like, desolate um, and in desperate need of, like, seeing myself in something. And even though the book is about a Nigerian woman in America, there are loads of touch points that I could find uh, solace in. So hair and interracial relationships were two of the things that I was like, okay, cool. Like, I, I understand how to navigate these things and that if I'm finding them hard, it's not just me. Yeah, that's another thing that's a lot in your book, is your hair and Queenie's hair is a big yes. part of thing, and people's reactions to it and the way they um, sort of approach her because of it. Is that something that you've experienced all the time I have stopped going to Notting Hill Carnival because the last time I went my friends had to form a circle around me because people just kept reaching out and grabbing my hair because I used to have long extensions and Mm -hmm. they're gone now because I was just sick of people touching it Um, and so I just wear a headscarf all the time because it's easier right (laughs) so yeah yeah. Um, and so I guess like that's part of the book because it is an actuality um, and it's just really bad because it makes you feel like you're some sort of foreign objects that people just feel that they can reach out and touch just because you're slightly different. And so it's also just like, I don't really want anyone to touch me anyway because I don't know you, you know? Yeah. So there are loads of things. It's not just political. It's also just like, practically, you might be ill. Yeah. I think it's (laughs) one of the things that really comes across in the book, especially because while Queenie's sort of, I want to say on the dating scene, but when you all read the book, you'll see what I mean. Um, (laughs) That she really is, the replies she gets from people, she's so objectified yeah. and treated in a particular way because of her colour and because of how she looks. Yeah. Um, yeah, could you tell us a bit about, is that anything you've experienced? For sure. I mean, yeah. I think it's, it's something that me and a friend of mine have been talking about more and more recently because she... Is also black and typically she's also she's always got sorry typically she's always got out with uh black guys but she's on hinge and she was like can you some china white guys <laughs> and i was like okay cool what's been happening 
And the stuff they would say to her, I was like, I can help you through all of this because I've done all of this before. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, no, it's going to be fine. And I was like, no, no, just let me see the messages. And there was one guy she was talking to um, initially in the beginning and everything she would say, he would just immediately talk about sex. And she'd be like, oh, I had a really hard day at work. And he'd be like, what would you do if I was there in your house waiting for you when you got back? And it was like, why? <laughs> what? Like, that doesn't, doesn't even just say, like, are you okay? Um, and then the more she was talking to guys like him, the same, she was getting the same responses. And I was like, you just need to, I think, stop. Or you need to say up front, I don't want to talk about sex. I don't want to send you pictures. Because that's another thing. Like, mm-hmm. an immediate, like, can I say this? Oh, it's awful. Can I see this? It's awful. So bad. Yeah. I was looking at a thing um, online yesterday with a woman whose name I can't remember. She's basically taken, she's found men on Twitter who tweet things like, oh, how can women like pose these like sexy pictures, but then when they won't send you nudes or like, how are you meant to take them seriously? And then she's found (sighs) basically those same men, all the topless pictures that they posted of of themselves. And she's made these amazing collages of them (laughs) and like with their tweet in the middle. And it was just the funniest thing because it just shows up that hypocrisy of course it's just you know I think it is it's such a political thing but it's also just like really boring and really unfair and I just think you know we've been saying this all the time so it's nice actually yes when you have these um digital manifestations of actually what happens yeah and I think people are hopefully do you think it's getting better do you think we have cause for optimism no (laughs) I'd like to say so but I just don't think so yet just because Mm -hmm. You know, you see people talking about these things and actually there are so many people who stand their ground and there is a, there's still not a willingness to actually engage in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be a while before people actually uh, want to do that. Yeah, you think we're at the beginning of... I think change, so. I think okay. the Me Too movement is an amazing thing. Um, I think because it was started by Tarana Burke and then it was carried on, wasn't it? Like, so last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that marks at least a conversation that people are willing to have and, an in, and I guess a, a way that people are engaging in something that has been rife for a really long time. Cool. Okay, so bringing it back to books, because obviously that's what we're all about in Blackwells. Yeah. So you've already said you love Americana and Bridget Jones's Diary. Do you have any other... We always try and collect five books that authors would recommend. Five books. any more? Um, I really loved Here Comes the Sun, by Nicole Dennis Ben, mm-hmm. um, and it's set in Montego Bay, and I was very lucky to read it while I was in Montego Bay. Um, it's published by One World, and it's about a Jamaican woman who um, is gay, and she is working in a hotel, and she is sleeping with men to fund her sister being at medical school, and it's about all of the stuff that comes with that, and the relationships she's trying to have undercover, um, and it's so beautiful and so textured, and. Um, I think Nicole Dennis-Ben captures Jamaica in the most amazing way. Um, and I also really loved and um, blitzed through um, Dolly Alderton's book um, mm-hmm. because she's so great at just capturing what it's like to be a young woman um, and dating and people not replying to you and making mistakes and drinking too much. And I think that's really important. I think it's important. I basically like flawed women. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that women are able to talk about the stuff that they do because we've had to be perfect for such a long time and that's not sustainable, not realistic. And I think it makes you feel like you're a bit of a failure when you're not waking up and making the right decisions all the time and having the perfect job and ma- navigating things in the most amazing way that you could. Um, 
And so, yeah, I'm all for women just being like, you know, we're not great a lot of the time at lots of things. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I love about Queenie is that she's she's really going for it and she, she doesn't make <laughs> all the right that, decisions. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, she's just really believable. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait for everyone to get to read it. And you're going to be back here at Blackwell's yep. for our Short Stories Aloud event. But, yeah, thank you so much for coming in um, and answering all my questions. And, yeah, everybody, go on April the 11th by Queenie. It is amazing. Thank you, Candice. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Blackwell's Presents. Candice Carty-Williams will be joining us alongside Jessica Andrews on Tuesday the 21st of May 2019 at 7pm as part of our Mental Health Gala, where they will be interviewed by Sarah Franklin. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @blackwelloxford. Visit our Eventbrite page to find out about all of our exciting events. And visit our YouTube channel, Blackwell's Bookshops, for more author interviews. Thank you for listening. <laughs>